0: four o'clock football frenzy presented
1: by dustin DeHart of nova home loans call him now at 702 577 2600 the four o'clock football frenzy
2: on cofield and company all
1: right we continue our company power rankings nfl countdown broncos did not do well Uh, number 25 in the rankings yet. If you look at some books still have not changed the Broncos odds, as far as I know for division title, like six and seven to one. And I thought a lot of that was an adjustment based on the fact that they might get Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that was a Teddy Bridgewater bump up, but if you look at a lot of books, the gap between the Broncos and the Raiders in terms of betting options, the Raiders are behind the Broncos in almost every sports book in terms of futures, I guess we're a hometown show. So we have the Raiders ahead of the Broncos. In the rankings. Nick Ferguson played for the Broncos. He does radio in Denver on the fan. He gives a couple of minutes here to help us preview the Broncos season. Nick, how are you?
3: I'm doing well. How big you done? We're good.
1: We're good. I am I'm gonna come out of left field on this one, I guess pun intended. I do have to okay. get your take because you do you do a talk show on the fan. I gotta get your take on whatever happened at Coors the other day with Dinger or the N-Bomb that was said. What is going on with this? And what is the latest? Because the Marlins players said, I reviewed the tape. I thought I heard a racial slur. What do you hear and what do you think of all this?
3: Well, first and foremost, I I thought when I initially heard it, I thought it was a racial slur, and so did the broadcasters as well because they uh, immediately apologized for some of the things that were said. But the the team said that they did their own investigation, and uh, the, the person in question was, in fact, saying, right now now I know that we all can hear different things at different times but I swear I mean when I let other individuals listen to it they hear somewhat of a racial slur but since I wasn't there boots on the ground standing right next to the guy I guess I am not sure and I guess if we're not sure can we really kind of get on the team or or that particular fan if we're not sure exactly what we heard?
0: Yeah, I felt like just you know, in context, yes, I think I heard it too. Even after I saw all the, you know, all of the you know breakdown, and they said, "Hey, this is the mascot's name." He was pointing at the mascot. I was like, "Okay, clearly, I believe he was saying Dinger." And then I listened to it again and again. And I was like, "I still think I hear it. This is insane." But I felt like we had moved on, and now Louis Brinson said, "Well, I listened to it. I know what they said, and I believe them, but I still think I hear it." Like, have we moved on from this in in Denver, or is it still kind of a big thing?
3: Well, it's still kind of a thing because in, in the culture that we're living in right now, we, we know uh, the social injustice movements that's happened across sports, and more people are becoming more aware of certain things that have happened like this, black and brown people. So, yeah, it, it still is a hot-button topic. Uh, you never want, as a professional uh, baseball team or any professional team, to have any allegations like this publicly and nationally uh, being spread about you, but it's still something of a topic we're still trying to figure out. There's still several people on both sides. Some say, well, no, it was Dinger, and others are saying that they heard a derogatory slur. So we still don't know at this point. But I will say this, just the fact that it is it has come into question, now it still keeps this conversation going as far as where we are right now as a country and as a society and where we need to move forward to.
0: Sure, and that's always very important for sure. So hopefully it leads to positive discussions and not just a, you know, he said, she said battle back and forth. Uh, we'll we'll monitor that. Just like we are monitoring the Broncos quarterback situation, where do we stand? It sounds like we hear Drew Locks in to start game one in the preseason, Teddy Bridgewater game two. Is this a 50-50 split right now, or is there a leader?
3: No, it's not a 50-50 split. I mean, to, to me, because I played and I coach for the 49ers, I understand coach speak when I hear it. So to say that anything is 50-50 is anything but. You guys have been in relationships before, and you know it's never 50-50. It's 60-40, 70-30, (laughs) 90-10. It all depends on, you know, who is taking the lead. And at this point, Teddy Bridgewater seems to have taken the lead, much to the dismay of certain people in the media and some of the fans themselves. Because when you think of Teddy, you know, nothing seems really sexy about him because you're not talking about Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, or Russell Wilson. I mean, when you look at Teddy and, you know, the way that he's played the game, he's been really consistent. And the word that comes out a lot is game manager. We heard the same thing about, you know, Alex Smith when he played for the Kansas City Chiefs. And for years, I, I didn't really like a quarterback that was considered to be a game manager. But since coaching, I have to changed my mind because that means that that player goes out and he does everything that the coaching staff ask him to do, and he's not going to make mistakes. And what we've seen from you know Drew Lock over the past you know t- past two years he's been here is just that. Against the, the the Vegas Raiders, he turned the ball over four times. And as much as we we hear the narrative about Drew Locke having all the skills and having a strong arm, you don't want a guy that's going to keep both teams in the ball game. And that's something that Drew Locke has that he has the propensity to do. So right now, out of the gate, it looks like Teddy is is the winner for me.
0: Yeah, Nick, you know what's sexy in a quarterback? Making the right read on third down moving the chains. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. What yes. So, is, but is the organization ready to have Teddy Bridgewater win this battle? They feel It feels like a roster that would be absolutely in position to compete if not for the quarterback position. But I feel like everybody wants that big, splashy, sexy like Drew Lock makes the f- throws downfield. Well, I think you just have to go with the one that's best for you to win games. And I don't know if the organization's ready to say that's Teddy Bridgewater, but I think it is.
3: Well, yeah, they they really they, they, they are. I'll put it to you this way: if you were in Vic Fangio's shoes and you've been here for going on your third year, the first two years you were not over five hundred, right? You were playing with Drew Lock, you fire with Scangarello, you bring in Pat Shermer. Now, the Broncos are in a position where they may have new ownership come 2022, and your job could be in jeopardy. Of the two guys, who would you bank on saving your job? And that guy would probably be Teddy Bridgewater, because when we look at the ability to take what the defense is giving you, and when I look at the conversation here, well, he's not pushing the ball down the field. My reply to that is when you look at most teams in the NFL – they're taking shots down the field. I'm talking about 20-plus plays you know, per game, maybe three to four times a game. Now, we've seen Drew Locke actually do it, but he can't make the short throw. He can't take the intermediate throw. He's always looking for the home run play because he's been told his entire career that he has a strong arm. So he relies on it so heavily that he doesn't work on the other fundamental skills that uh, will help him play the quarterback position. I would prefer, as a defensive player, to have Teddy be my quarterback because I know he's going to keep me fresh on the sideline because he's moving the chain. That means the opposing quarterback is on the sideline. When we get in the game, now from Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, I can get after the quarterback. With Drew Locke, once again, he's a guy that can put you on a short field and having you maybe giving up 14 to 21 points a game, not because the team just moved the ball down the field on you, because of poor field position off of turnovers. I don't want that guy as my quarterback.
0: I I know this term doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but I'm really intrigued to get your answer. Who is the number one receiver on this team?
3: Oh, by far, it's Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy by far. Courtland Sutton is coming off of uh, ACL surgery. Kim Patrick emerged as the number one target for Drew Light last season because Courtland was out in both KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy, who was drafted one and two, that they were still young guys still learning the game. But right now, Judy has not dropped a pass all camp, and that's going back to mini camp and OTAs. And last season, it was a big uh, idea here in Denver that Jerry Judy was a bust because he dropped four passes in the Chargers game. And I was just like, well, if you look at the season, Jerry Judy dropped nine passes on the season. And he, he was second to Deontay Johnson, and the, the, the third and fourth players was Nico Harmon for the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill. They dropped six passes, right? So, to me, I'm like, okay, well, we're powering on Jerry Judy all too much, but he's come back rejuvenated, fired up to prove everyone wrong, and he's done that thus far.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm very intrigued to see where he is, because if Courtland Sutton's still good and Jerry Judy is as good as I think he could be, uh could be a dynamic offense uh for uh, the Broncos. Uh defense could be one of the one of the most elite units in the league, right? I mean I think they could be up there uh and and have them in every game each week.
3: Well, that is, you know, kind of by design and what uh, we all expected when Vic Fangio was hired. We went back to his days with the Chicago Bears and San Francisco 49ers elite groups in the back end and on all three levels to be uh to be frank, but looking at what George Pay did coming in, trying to take somewhat of a blueprint of what they were able to do when Teddy was there, and even Sherman was there in 2017, play great defense, run the ball. Now, you guys might have heard of that philosophy before. There's a team that's done it, you know, year in and year out since uh, their, their humble beginnings, and that's been the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's one of those things that reigns true because we know once we get into the back half of the season, inclement weather, your defense – better travel, and you better be able to run the ball and play a two-minute offense and a four-minute offense. So that's kind of the blueprint that the Broncos were thinking when they put this uh, defense together. We still have to see, can they really come come through on it? But that has kind of been the basic idea.
1: Nick Ferguson's with us. A former Bronco does radio now on the fan in Denver. All right, who's the better team right now, three weeks out from the season? Is it the Raiders or the Broncos?
3: Of course it's the Broncos. Come on, what kind of question is that? Come on now. I mean, you You guys got, you got have players walking out of the practice and retiring. We we have not had that <laughs> just yet, right? And we and we know usually at the end of the season, you know, the Raiders have been able to take that last game, but uh, we, we made some adjustments to our defense, and hopefully Vic Fangio doesn't call any more timeouts to allow Gruden to now get the right personnel on the field to convert the two-point conversion. Hopefully that's behind us, but right <laughs> now I feel as though we have a better roster.
1: Uh, Over-under win total now is 8.5 on the Broncos, so 9-8 and to go over. What do you think? Are they going to go over?
3: Well, I give them, yeah, I give them the over. I give them 10-7. And And I give them 10-7 based on the ability to run the ball, play great defense, turn the ball over, Teddy Bridgewater not turn the ball over himself, which gives us an opportunity to win a lot of ball games. And last year, I think the Broncos averaged 16 points a game, But, Teddy, as a quarterback, if it works out that way, I'm thinking uh, the Broncos could actually average maybe 21 to 24 a game.
1: What's the big topic on the show tonight?
3: Well, the big topic is uh, the Broncos heading to Minnesota uh, for a joint practice against uh, the Vikings. A a lot of jobs uh, on the line. They're still trying to figure out what's going to happen with the quarterback spot, like you said. Uh, Drew Locke is going to start the game against the Vikings. Teddy's going to start the, the game against the Seattle Seahawks. And I say after the Seahawks game, the quarterback will be decided as that third preseason game is going to be reserved for those guys who are on the bubble.
0: Hey, tell those guys to mask up. You don't want to be hanging around the Vikings. <laughs> yeah, you
3: know what? Guys, that, that was a major concern for me, knowing yeah. as though they were having issues with that. So uh, hopefully we won't have any issues to report. They're able to play the game and we can just move forward with the season.
1: Right. All right, Nick. Hey, we appreciate it. Thank you for doing the spot on short notice.
3: All oh, right, appreciate it, guys. Thank you.
1: There he is, Nick Ferguson. Former NFL player. It took a long time for him to land in the NFL, and then he took uh, full advantage of it. He was with uh, six or seven different teams over the course of his career, including the Broncos and uh, also with the Bengals, Bears, Bills, Jets, Texans. Yeah, I don't get the sportsbook gap between the Raiders and the Broncos. I still think the Broncos are worse. And the Raiders. I don't think Bridgewater is an upgrade. Uh, when we voted on this, those who did decide to vote on Cofield and Company, we had the Broncos 25th, 19th, and 27th in the NFL. Uh, most books have the Broncos at eight or eight and a half. Uh, William Hill has Broncos eight and a half. You can get plus 120 on the under.
0: Uh, Raiders are now at eight minus 140 on the under. I've seen some places also that have – Uh, Both uh, exact order of finish props for the division uh, and just a straight bet on, you know, here's the Raiders are four to one to finish second, three to one to finish third. uh, And they're like minus 250 to finish fourth. Uh, It's like an insane like they're basically the the futures market is telling you the Raiders have no chance of finishing outside of fourth place, which I I think is is crazy uh, when you start to look at it. I don't think there's that much gap between not only the Broncos and the Raiders, Chargers too.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, up next, we're going to get to uh, national scene around the NFL as we'll uh, talk to Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. He'll tell us uh, more about that Minnesota quarterback situation as all the quarterbacks are back for now. And we'll also get into the uh, brewing issues with uh, Michael Thomas at court, Or check that at wide receiver for the Saints. Time now to check in with our uh, national insider for the National Football League, Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk. Uh, before we do that, I do have to mention – Lakers story, sort of, that just came down. You know, Dennis Schroeder was offered a gigantic deal by the Lakers. He was offered an $84 million deal. The Lakers were saved from themselves. Then they got a chance to see what Schroeder looked like in the playoffs. Wasn't great. And he just signed a six million dollar one-year deal with the Celtics. Oh, boy. That one stings, if that's true that he was offered $84 million. under on yourself and lose. Oh, boy. Miles Simmons is with us. Miles, how you doing, buddy?
2: I'm um, better than Shorter probably is right now because I didn't lose yeah. out on, you know, upwards of $78 million if I did that math right.
0: Yeah, yeah. That wait, freaking hurts. Wait, Miles, before we even start this, you are a hot dog guy, right?
2: Yes, yes. I, I am a glizzy guy, yes.
0: Would you eat the apple pie hot dog, though? The apple pie hot dog? It's an apple pie crust baked around a hot dog with apple pie filling, sugar on top, and bacon jam.
2: Where does one acquire such thing? You know what? No, okay, so here's the thing about this, Adam. I I feel like if it were more of a bratwurst and not just like a straight-up beef hot dog, you know? Like, if you can think about a bratwurst, it's it's a lot of times a little bit sweeter because, you know, you get, it's more like a sausage as opposed to just like a hot dog, which is just like beef and almost like bologna, you know? Like, I feel like that is pretty good because it's almost like a, a breakfast, Kind of uh, dessert deal, you know, like sausage and apples. If that that actually doesn't. It doesn't sound like the worst thing I've ever heard. But if it's just like a straight up hot dog, like you know, a ballpark franks, I don't know if I would want that.
1: now what if will this change it? Because Adam's setup was terrible. Uh, this is for the uh, Field of Dreams game, and Guy Fieri came up with the apple pie hot dog. Does that change your mind?
2: Oh, it does. Yes, if, if Guy's making it, then yeah, I would at least try it. I,
1: know. Knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it.
2: Oh, you know, the mayor of Flavortown, man. I'm going to hop on the train.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And he's a he's a he's California guy, but really a Vegas guy because he went to UNLV and worked here. So and he loves the Raiders. So let's uh, no segue here, but uh, let's talk Raiders. Uh, Gerald McCoy is now in town and he's very impressed with the Raiders.
2: Yeah, he's a little more impressed than I think the rest of us are, right? <laughs> he's talking about saying that, you know, two guys, I think you said in Dockway and Crosby can be double-digit fat guys and Carl Masson can be a seven-to-eight fat kind of guy. And I'm like, man, like I'll, I'll have what he's having if that's the case, right? Because it's not like the Raiders have really been good at rushing the passer. And I think I wrote this today, basically since John Gruden has been there Um, when he came back in 2018. So, look, if Gerald McCoy and, you know, his little tips and tricks and veteran things that he knows can get those guys to that level, then, boy, I mean, you know, we're going to be talking about the Raiders hosting a playoff game potentially. And I really don't think that that's going to happen because Kansas City is still in the division. And that team, I think, is better than it was last year. So, look, I, I think that the Raiders' pass rush should be better. I think the Raiders' defense as a whole should be better And, Adam, obviously you've been out there, and by the sounds of it, it it sounds like the defense has improved, and I think that they had a pretty good day today, didn't they?
0: They did. They had a good day today. I would also say, uh, by Joe McCoy's math, I think they're getting 75 sacks this year, (laughs) which which will be nice. That would be an impressive season for sure uh, for the Raiders. I I want to get your take also uh, on something Joe McCoy said, because first of all, I'll say he owned that room, like nobody else ever has that guy is a very impressive dude and I'm excited yeah. that he's on the Raiders just to be able to talk to him uh, every once in a while but he said one of the reasons he wanted to be on the Raiders not only because he thinks they have a lot of potential and a ton of talent in the building but also that there's only four historic franchises in the NFL and the Raiders are one of them uh, along with the Packers Cowboys and Steelers is this true
2: no, <laughs> I mean, uh, like, it's because the Raiders haven't had any success since, uh, like, 2002. I mean, and you have to go back further to when they won championship. I think he has a point with um, the, the Cowboys and the Steelers um, and whatever, and the Packers. But, like, if you really want to talk about historic franchises, you, you can't not say that the Patriots are a historic franchise at this point, right? I mean, like, they've won almost as many Super Bowls as anybody if they haven't won just as many as anybody. I, I would also put the Giants probably in that category based on the way they've won championships. Um, but it, if you want to talk about like historically good franchises, I mean, you could even talk about the Browns. But It's not like the Browns have won a Super Bowl in ever. Right? It's not like they've even been to an AFC championship game since the 80s. So I, I think it's kind of weird to talk about you know, historic franchises. I think that the Raiders have a very good um, national fan base, but, you know, history only counts for so much when you haven't won. He's not had really much winning at all since 2002. I mean, what, like, they've had literally one winning season, and that was in '16. and then Carr gets hurt, and you don't even have a chance in the playoff game because you're starting Connor freaking Cook. Like, if he wants to think that and, you know, talk up the fan base and make everybody want to say his name, you know, once he runs out into Legion Stadium, I think that that's great. But, like, objectively, I don't really see how that's true.
0: I will not stand for this Connor Cook slander. That's not acceptable on this show. Uh, Connor Cook is
2: a Northeast Ohio guy. I'm a Northeast Ohio guy. You, I, you know, but I'm just saying, that like, we got to call a spade a spade, Adam.
0: Fair enough. Uh, we're not buying the hype on the Raiders and Gerald McCoy, apparently – are we buying the hype on people are actually going to go to Chargers games this year?
2: Uh, yes, but I am buying that it's going to be a lot of out-of-town fans, and okay. it doesn't really matter you know, if you're Dean Spanos because everybody's money is still green. Um, as long as those tickets get snatched up, if they're going on the secondary market to people like my mother who wants to fly in, Um, from Cleveland, because she's going to a tennis tournament in Palm Springs, whenever that is, in October. And it just so happens that the Browns are playing the Chargers the Sunday before, and she's like, oh, man, that's going to be a great game. I want to go to that, too. I get to see the stadium. So, like, I feel like that's kind of what it's going to be. And who knows what it's going to be like in Las Vegas, too, because obviously Vegas is a very big destination city, and I'm not trying to poo-poo the Raiders fan base when I say something like this, but there are going to be a lot of people for whom uh, Vegas is a destination city, and you say, if you are only going to go to one away game per year, are you going to go to Vegas? Yeah, you, you certainly might, right? Because no matter what, the weather's probably going to be good. It's going to be a really fun weekend. you got a bunch of other stuff that you can do around the game. And I think the same thing is for Los Angeles, whether it's for the Chargers or whether it's for the Rams. A lot of probably away teams are going to suck up those seats and, you know, it's not great if you are um, the team when it's third down and sometimes you're on offense and you got to go silent count. Like, nobody likes that. But uh, if you are ownership and you say, all right, you know, these the, their money is as green as our fan bases," um, then it kind of doesn't matter to you because you're still making money. So I, I don't know.
1: Paul well, Simmons with us, Pro Football Talk, on Cofield and Company. All right, around the league – Uh, What's going on with the Saints and Michael Thomas? I saw some uh, offshore odds about uh, Thomas destinations. Uh, Is this going to get settled? Or are they going to wind up moving him in a shocking transaction?
2: This is interesting because at at this point, it seems like the Saints have been kind of leaking some stuff where it's like, yeah, Michael Thomas has not been a good – he hasn't communicated with us as much as we needed him to on the status of his ankle, and then that's why – Now he's going to be out for a substantial portion of the season because he didn't get this procedure early enough. Right. And like you have Sean, when you have Sean Payton in his press conference, basically saying, yes, we wish he had done this earlier. Then that kind of raises an eyebrow. And then you had the reports that, you know, Michael Thomas was basically ducking the calls of all the Saints' press and the trainers and everything. So then Michael Thomas comes out and he's saying, they're trying to assassinate my character and this and that. And, you're getting to a point with Michael Thomas and the Saints where it almost feels like there are some irreconcilable differences. And so there's a report that came out earlier this week that um, the Jaguars are trying to move one of their corners, uh, and the Saints are, have interest in them. And I'm sorry, there are too many names floating around in my head. His name is C.J. Henderson, I believe. Um, yes. And so that could be a potential match where you're saying, look, if you're the Saints and you want a corner and you have Michael Thomas and you maybe want to move him, that's a place where it could match because Urban Meyer was Thomas's college coach. He's one of his favorite players, apparently, of all time. So, like, that could be a potential fit. And at this point, I don't know if it would be as shocking as it would have been, say, a year ago, you know, if Michael Thomas gets moved, just based on all the different things that have come out of New Orleans. It just doesn't seem like those two uh, the, the, the two parties are going to be able to solve this at, at anytime soon, maybe particularly because Tom's just isn't going to be healthy anytime soon.
1: Uh, Deshaun Watson not going on the road with the Green Bay. I'm going to say why. I mean, I think I know why, but tell the audience why Deshaun Watson, who's in camp, is not going to be on the road against the Packers.
2: Well, if you ask David Cully, the answer is nothing has changed with Deshaun Watson, mm. no matter what the question is that you ask him. This is such a bizarre situation, and I don't recall ever seeing anything like this before, where you have somebody who is potentially facing criminal charges and could face prison time That's where Deshaun Watson is, aside from the 22 civil lawsuits that he's been facing now for, for the last few months. And the league has not put him on paid leave. So I, I don't really... I don't really know what the Texans are supposed to do because you can't really play him right now because that's toxic. So you also don't want him going anywhere with the team because that just creates an entirely big distraction. So there's a part of me that is like, I understand what the Titans are do, excuse me, the Texans are doing and the approach that they're taking with this, but also it's just so bizarre because I don't know how you resolve this without Deshaun Watson going on paid leave. And until there are either criminal charges filed or maybe some of these cases are settled, or so, there's some sort of resolution, it kind of seems like the league doesn't want to necessarily take that step. But, I mean, when you have John McClain of the Houston Chronicle saying that Deshaun Watson's never going to play another snap for the Texans, like that's the voice of the NFL out of Houston, I believe that. So it's a very, very bizarre situation, but like I understand why the Texans are proceeding in the way that they are.
1: Miles, are, we, uh, are the Vikings really facing a season where all three of their quarterbacks, if uh, Nate Stanley is the third guy, Amon and Cousins, are they really facing uh, the beginning of the regular season with three quarterbacks who are unvaccinated?
2: Oh, this is an interesting situation, too, because, I mean, why if you're Kirk Cousins and you're going out there and you're talking about, man, yeah, I, you could surround me in plexiglass. I've thought of that just so that I won't be a close contact. And, you know, the room was too small and all that. This is a situation where th- th- that really no coach ever wants to face. And I can't imagine how frustrating it is for Mike Zimmer when the solution is get the shot, And you won't have to worry about being a close contact for anything. Like that's just the way it is. And the the interesting thing, and I think we kind of talked about this last week too guys, where it's like the players are saying, Oh, it's a personal decision, it's personal decision, it's this, it's that. But I think when you see Kirk Cousins have to miss five days because he is unvaccinated. And that's really the case here, right? Because it's not like he tested positive. Tell mom tested positive and he is in close contact of that player. So because he's unvaccinated, he has to miss time. You're the starting quarterback. When you're the starting quarterback's not there. The team by and large, eight times out of 10, maybe nine times out of 10, they're going to lose. So if that happens to happen in the regular season, that's a game that you've lost. Right. And I think, That's the situation that you were in in 2020, and there was kind of nothing that you could do about it because, unfortunately, things happened. We were all living with this virus, and the the goal that the league had was to get through 256 games they did that. And somebody uh, in Buffalo, who's a wide receiver, his name I don't want to talk about right now, said that it was a very good season, a very successful season. And just because you got through all the games, I mean, the Broncos had to play a game without a quarterback, right, because of this close contact thing. right? Like the Browns had to play a game without their top four wide receivers, and they ended up losing to the Jets. That's not very successful in my book. So you turn it to this year. You have a solution where you can say, if you get this shot, you know, one of three that are available, you, widely available, you can go down to your local Piggly Wiggly, CVS, Dwayne need Rite Aid, whatever you want, and get it. Then you won't miss time if you happen to be in contact with somebody who tested positive. And if you're the starting quarterback, to me, that makes it a a, a decision that affects your entire team. And it could affect whether you make the playoffs or not. I don't, I, I understand why people say it's personal, but because of that, it's not really personal, right? It, it, it has to do with being competitive and whether or not your team can win games, or may just have to lose a game if you happen to not be there. So when you're talking about, you know, oh my goodness, I'll I'll be happy to stand outside under the goalpost and do a meeting in the middle of winter. Like what are you talking about? I, I, I'll never get it. I don't understand it. To me, get the shot. If you haven't gotten the shot, the Delta variant is really contagious. And you, if you get this virus, it will be very, very tough to recover from unless you just get the shot. Like that makes everything better, and it helps society. So please go get the shot. Uh, I didn't really you know? want that to turn into a plea for people to get the shot, but like, man, I've seen what's happening in Florida, and it's just like, oh my goodness, guys, we numbers you, are horrible.
0: You yeah. don't know anybody with you don't know anybody with a medical background. What do you know?
2: <laughs> my mom is a doctor. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, Miles.
1: No more, uh, no more COVID talk. No more vaccine talk for the next twenty-seven weeks. All right, I'll try. <laughs> I promise. No, not you. I'll promise. I, no, nah, I can't promise oh, that because yeah. I think it's going to be an issue, no doubt, around the NFL. All right, Miles. We appreciate it. Guys, <laughs>
2: okay, take care.
1: There he is, Miles Simmons. All right, on the way back, we're uh, about ten minutes away from a convo with uh, Sam Paniatovich our gambling insider on Tuesdays. But first, we have to uh, get into uh, a theft. Kansas sucks. We're going to steal something from them. <music> better to talk about food than these two. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans.
0: All right, let's talk a little Vegas
1: theme during the Fat Pack today. I love the story. I love the fact that Vegas just outpaces everyone and doesn't apologize for being cooler. Than you are. Uh, you ready for this one? Uh, Topeka's Evil Knievel Museum may be moving to Las Vegas. It's been there for four years. The Evil Knievel Museum, it's been there for four years. Uh, we're taking it. That's the story. Is he from Topeka? I have no idea what the connection is. I didn't look it up. I do know this that uh, the museum's marketing director, Amanda Beach, said that uh, it was your paper that actually reported this, said the announcement was a bit premature, but the deal is imminent. Uh, Basically, they've got an evil Knievel museum in Topeka. And the woman said there are more people involved in this decision, just our team in Topeka. Uh, This has been a joint venture with the Knievel family from the beginning. And uh, this led to the Knievel family exploring the possibility of having our team move the museum to Las Vegas where the attraction can realize its greatest potential. So in other words, Topeka is crap. Let's move it to Vegas, where it's actually going to get some attention and make some money.
0: As it should. I mean, Vegas is a place as, that – As it should. Of course, he's, it's a place that he's known to have performed some of his biggest stunts at. Sure. Uh, he's all – you know, the Snake River or whatever and Grand Canyon stuff. He's He's been all around. The fountains at Caesar. But Caesar's. Vegas is a big one for him. Yes. Uh, I don't know what Topeka is. I just did a, a – I just went to his Wikipedia page and did a search for Topeka, uh, see if there was any connection at all. The only connection is that the museum is there. That seems to be the only connection to Topeka for Evil Knievel. He's not from there. He wasn't born there. He didn't grow up there. He didn't die there. Uh, I don't think he did any stunts there. Like, how did Topeka even get this in the first place? Nothing against the arts district. Is that the place to move it? I, I Should it put,
1: be on the strip? Put everything in the arts district. Why?
0: I'm a downtown kid. We've talked about this Is that <laughs> downtown? About this before. Yeah, of course. It that's is. that You consider that downtown proper? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Decent area. It's growing. Yeah, I love it. Uh, parking situation's a bit much. <laughs> Can be rough. It's a bit rough. Be rough, especially on first Fridays. Let's but- do it. We want the
1: evil Knievel museum. All right, coming back, Sam Panjagadde. He's going to talk about the uh, surge in Bryce Harper MVP betting.
2: It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling.
1: I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Going on here to Tuesday, Sammy P. is with us, our gambling insider. What's up, Sam?
4: Oh, I'm sitting in a three-hour delay at O'Hare Airport, right where I want to be, my friend.
1: Oh, well, good sound quality. Good break for us.
4: <laughs> yeah, not a good break for me. Um, I love that finer bump, by the way. That will never, ever get old. He just screams winners until he passes out. It's so good. Yes. <laughs>
1: He's the best. I, I saw, because uh, he's doing a bunch of stuff with, uh, what is it, stool. I saw him uh, in a pool with some giant fat guy the other day. I was so jealous of the riches that Stu amassed over the years.
4: Yeah, a lot of money scamming a lot of people.
1: Now, we don't we
4: don't have to go there. We don't have to go there.
1: Um, let's talk a little contest around Vegas, and it's not little. There's a bunch of big contests. I'm actually surprised you're going in. I, don't, I, I feel like last year you were not in. The Super Contest, you only did Circa. Are you going uh, freaking balls to the wall now? You're entering all the contests here?
4: Well, I was part of a team for the contest at Westgate, but this year I'm doing them pretty much cold turkey. Well, not cold turkey. I'm doing it by myself. I don't know why I say cold turkey. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) last year I did the Circa Survivor. I thought, wow, I'm going to zig when everybody zags. And I picked the Indianapolis Colts in week one. They lost to Jacksonville, who didn't win another game all season.
0: (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Does it? (laughs) Does it discourage you that John Von Tolber and myself are teaming up and are just going to dominate all the contests? Are you really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Which one are you in? Uh, I think we might do all of them.
4: All of them. You know the one that never gets enough love, and I think this is actually my favorite contest, is the uh, Golden Nugget Ultimate Football Challenge. Because you do pro and college. They give you seven sides, pro or college, and you could pick whatever you want. Cofield, maybe we should team up and win that one.
1: Well, you and I were discussing doing an entry together, uh, either Circa or the Super Contest, or maybe we could do Golden Nugget. But we were gonna can you get can you get five to seven picks out of the bartender, and we do the bartenders. Can you first of all explain what the bartender? I'm gonna call it a bit, but I mean it 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 really worked. I mean uh, you you asked this person for a picks often, or overheard them, or I don't I don't know what it was, but explain it to the audience. And the person just sucked. But if you play against them, actually if you play on them, maybe you could finish at the bottom of a contest.
4: Well, I think Circa still has that. If you finish in last but submit all your picks, you can win a lot of money. I think it's like $100,000 if you come in dead last. But you can't sign up for a contest and not submit picks. You actually have to pick every single week, five a week. But I believe Circa's the only one in town that would give us that, like, seller prize, where if we just ask the bartender, who usually picks one or two NFL games a week, last year – He picked at a 33% clip, or 30, no, 31% clip over 17 weeks. He's awful. Um, I don't think he could be that bad again this year, but if we get him, we get two picks from him, we ask, uh, you know, Ari, your producer, he'll give us a loser. We could find two more on the streets. Adam Candy said he can give us a loser, and then you and I could just put our heads together and just find out, all right, what's the most square pick on the board? And then we have the five worst sides in the NFL every week. I feel like we could win that seller prize.
1: I like it. I'm in. We just have to pick which contest.
4: Yeah, that's going to be the toughest part. I mean, it won't be the money. We just have to decide, you know, which pool has the least sharp people. I don't Like Circa brands itself as the sharp contest, right? So maybe, maybe that is the best one because everybody's trying to win and we'll just go the other way.
1: Sammy P is with us. All right, let's talk some futures betting around the National Football League. There's been a lot of chatter the last couple of days of the whole worst the first thing in a division in the NFL. And uh, it sounds weird because, you know, we all, you know, we think the Niners are good and we forget how, you know, how bad their luck was a year ago. So you're rolling with the Niners on a bunch of props.
4: Well, I like them to win the division because I'm, I'm just not buying Matthew Stafford. I know it'll be interesting to see what McVeigh can do with a quarterback who actually has a pulse because Stafford's a lot better than Jared Goff. But man, that. That Niners team, you think about where they were two seasons ago, you know, they should have won the Super Bowl, if not for a Herculean throw by Mahomes to Tyree Hill and like a 40-yard gain on a third and long or whatever. Like, they were about to punt that football back to San Fran. They were a couple plays away from winning the Super Bowl. And Last year, they just got crushed uh, by injury. Solomon Thomas, uh, Joey Bosa, or Nick Bosa, rather. Yeah, you had a lot of guys on that defense that went on them. Let's not forget Debo Samuel, the receiver, didn't play. They lost a couple offensive linemen and their quarterback. So they were just crippled by injuries, and I think they're the best team in that division. You could find them 2-1 to, to win the West, and, and with Kyle Shanahan calling the shots with a healthy offense, man, that's a team that's scary at, at six fifty or 7-1 to one to win the NFC. Everybody's betting on Tampa and Tom Brady. I, I think the most value and the best roster in the NFC for the price is San Francisco, and that, that's a dangerous team when healthy.
0: Do you care who's playing quarterback?
4: I think Lance will take over the job week five or six. Uh, Jimmy G's okay, but Lance does things that that Jimmy G can't do, and I think Shanahan's going to figure that out. There's a couple teams around the NFL that are going to find out quickly that their younger quarterbacks, like in Chicago, Andy Dalton is a corpse, man. It's over. You've got to move him out eventually. San Francisco, I've been told, will eventually move to Trey Lance by the second month of the season.
1: Ah, uh, preseason betting. You looking for situations where you've got motivated
4: quarterbacks? Maybe a quarterback battle, like the Broncos. <laughs> or maybe maybe, uh, maybe Minnesota just won't have any quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, well, that's the info we got. You know, last week Denver was plus one or pick them, and now Denver's minus two. Uh, of course, we could still lose. It's it's preseason football, but yeah, the guys that I know that bet this, you know, bet it well and and try and make money, they they bet solely on information. Uh, information and situation really. Yeah, Denver's a, I think it's a perfect storm with Denver there because, you know, Vic Fangio has said, Hey, I need to figure out who I'm gonna start. He's got a full on competition there, uh, between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. And Minnesota, you know, Kirk Cousins isn't gonna play and there's other quarterbacks in the COVID protocol. So it's a messy situation and the line move has been reflective of that. But yeah, for everybody who says, Oh, you degenerate bet in the preseason Pro betters bet a lot in the preseason. They also bet a lot in summer league because they get the right information.
1: Yeah, we've talked about this for seventeen or eighteen years locally on this show. That you you do have more accurate information most times in the preseason versus the regular
4: season. And you'll get a total like, how about that total last week? You know, in the Canton game, the total open thirty four, got got as low as thirty and a half, and it it didn't even matter. So if you follow some of these line moves in the preseason. The lines that move days or weeks ahead, those are not little old ladies betting twenty five dollars. I promise you. You can pay attention to the board, and you can put two and two together.
1: Uh, back to futures in the National Football League. I know on uh, Chicken Dinner at Chicken X Dinner on Twitter. That's your podcast. You had uh, John Murray on from Westgate, and I guess you guys were talking about the uh, Bucks and how people are just pounding the Bucks to win the NFC.
4: Yeah, well, they're they're loaded every way on the Bucks. You know, to win the South, to win the Super Bowl. But he said that their biggest liability right now at the Westgate is Tampa to win the conference. Uh, they bet it down from I think four fifty four to one all the way down to two to one, and then took another five figure bet at two to one. And, and John's point is valid. This team was fifth in the NFC last year. <laughs> they were the five seed. They just got hot at the right time. They were a dog against the Orleans. They were a dog against Green Bay. Granted, they won the Super Bowl, but Let's, let's not get a little crazy here and, and think that that's a great bet at two to one. It's not. It's not at all.
1: Uh, we have some interesting props up on the board down at South Point. Uh, talk about this four-way play that's, uh, that Chris Andrews put up. Uh, I guess it, this is for national title, right?
4: Yeah, college football. He's given you six, six, and six again, and then the field. So I'll give you the, the cliff notes here. Alabama, Texas is one leg. Clemson, LSU, USC is another leg. And then Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia is a part of that third leg. It's really creative. So he's got three groups of six and then the field. The favored group is Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, Carolina, Oregon, Texas, A and M at minus a quarter, minus one twenty five. Uh, I'd probably that's probably the way I go, man. Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia. <laughs> That'd get much better than that.
1: No, it's a good group. Uh, no doubt. No chance at the field of twenty to one. You do there's no one from the outside?
4: No, I don't want Coastal Carolina or BYU. I'm good.
1: Hey, what do you make of Bryce Harper with the MVP market? What the hell just happened? He was available 150 to 1 uh, less than three weeks ago, and now books have him up at 4 to 1.
4: Yeah, I saw Dewey's article in the Journal. Yeah, 150 to 1 at BetMGM MGM 11 days ago. Um, and then a lot of the American books started to cut him down to like 50 or 40 to 1. Phillies are hot, man. They're the hottest team in baseball right now, and they're going to likely win that NL East. Uh, that's what the numbers say. And remember, because of the uncertainty with DeGrom and, you know, Tatis is going to come back, but nobody knows when, there's an avenue for a guy like Harper or Max Muncie or Freddie Freeman to win this award because of the injuries of the guys in front of them. And, and yeah, books were just – they were begging you to bet on Bryce Harper because they were trying to write money in other places. And then the two favorites go down. It's just – you can't prepare for that as a bookmaker. But, yeah, Bryce Harper is low as 4-1 now when he was 150-1. to one almost two weeks
1: ago. What's your what's your uh, snack of choice on a three-hour layover? You get some Cinnabon? What do you do?
4: Uh, I don't, I'm going to take a nap. I don't know. Hopefully. All right. Well,
1: we're, we're glad we <laughs> kept you awake for a little while longer. Sam, we appreciate it. Sorry, man.
4: <laughs> All
1: right. See you, boys. There he is. Sam its nessen our gambling insider on Tuesdays. By the way, uh, Bryce Harper, 20 homers and 45 RBI in 91 games so far out of 101 games. 45 RBI. MVP?
0: Seems low. Uh, <laughs> it does seem low. I Actually, I
1: was looking up historic uh, low RBI guys going back like 50 years. Barry Larkin had 66 and 95. These are all MVPs. Pete Rose had 64 and 73. Maury Wills had 48 ribbies in uh, 1962 and won, but he also had 104 steals. And obviously, Rose was more of the table setter, and people actually cared about average back then.